Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just What we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. From KQED. From KQED in San Francisco, I'm Alexis Madrigal. Here's a startling fact about Lake Tahoe. It's about a third of the size of Yosemite, but has double the annual visitors. If it was a national park, that would rank it second among all U.S. parks. But it's not a park. It's way more complicated, spanning two states, a bunch of counties, forest service land, and more. All of which makes managing this beautiful place really tough. But an influx of new residents and still booming tourism is forcing local leaders to try to come up with some new strategies for managing the area's most important industry, its remarkable ecosystems, and its brutal housing market. We're talking glorious Lake Tahoe's challenges and a renewed effort to reimagine the region that's coming up after this news. Welcome to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Look, Lake Tahoe has long been a place that drew tons of visitors, since before my parents trekked up there to get married in the 1970s. But the region's longtime tourism industry has grown to enormous proportions, now responsible for 60% of the local economy, up from 40% back in 2010. At the same time, the pandemic and the remote work that came with it brought an influx of visitors who didn't leave. A new class of residents who brought Bay Area salaries to the housing market. There's a perception, at least, that Lake Tahoe is too crowded and that that might be endangering the very natural resources that bring people out to the region. So to help us learn about the challenges and some new plans to manage Tahoe, we're joined first by Greg Thomas, lifestyle and outdoors editor and host of a great podcast, Wild West, from the San Francisco Chronicle. Welcome, Greg. Good morning. We're also joined by Tony Karwowski, president and CEO of the North Tahoe Community Alliance. Welcome, Tony. Good morning. And we've got Heidi Hildrum, executive. Oh, sorry. My uh, apologies. Heidi's coming in a little bit later. Carol Chaplain, uh, executive director of the Lake Tahoe Visitor Authority. Welcome, Carol. Thank you. Well, good morning. Yeah, good morning. 
Um, Greg, let's start with you. I mean, how would you characterize the state of tourism in Tahoe these days, and how did we get here? Thanks, Alexis. Um, I think the the wide feeling among people who live in Lake Tahoe year-round is that tourism has uh, kind of gone out of control in the last few years since the pandemic. And <clears throat> the reasons for that, there are several reasons for that. Um, and it's it's not just that tourists um, were kind of flocking to Lake Tahoe when all people could do during the, the pandemic lockdowns was go outdoors. Uh, but it was also that uh, a lot of second homeowners relocated to Lake Tahoe full time mm-hmm. and that uh, there was this huge interest in Lake Tahoe real estate. So there were a bunch of new home buyers that were moving into the region. And so there was uh, a major influx of tourists, but there was also a population spike as well. And, uh, you know, these are small mountain communities um, whose infrastructure just isn't necessarily equipped to handle those kinds of pressures. And so that's kind of what we've we've seen is um, traffic congestion, uh, litter, um, you know, crowding at restaurants and supermarkets, gas stations, um, crowding on trails, uh, you know, just all kinds of inconveniences and and lifestyle problems and nuisances that uh, have just, you know, changed the character of Lake Tahoe for a lot of the people who live up there. Yeah. You know, Carol, um, people have used the term over-tourism. That seems to be the, the term of art here in this discussion about Tahoe. Do you think that's uh, a fair assessment? Well, I think over-tourism is, is um, the problem I have with it. I understand that it that it, it it's used widely and it's, it's um, it, it does conjure up a um, maybe the cruise ships that come in some places and, you know, and 5,000 people get off at a time. And I think for us, we have, um, as Greg had suggested, we do have some, um, we have some times that we um, are experiencing more impact with, with tourism, but there's other times that are really wonderful times of the year. And so I hate to I, I really don't know that I, I feel that over-tourism um, applies to 365 days a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and and with some of the work that we're doing, we're looking at maybe, you know, behavioral changes and, like, it's it's great to be here in October. So, um, yeah, so it's been applied and, and we use it and we think that there's some validity to it as we, as we do some of our work towards... Mm-hmm you know, balancing the economy and residents and, and visitors. But um, it's, you know, it's a problematic term for, for me in some respects. So when you look at the problem set in Tahoe and you see, you know, tourism, you see new residents, you see kind of a lack of workforce housing, you see all these different things. What role do you think tourism or, you know, quote unquote, over tourism plays in that overall problem set? Like, is it vast majority of the problem? Is it just one piece? Like, how do you see it? Well, I see it as an opportunity. Um, uh, We, you know, as you had mentioned, you know, over 60% of our our economy is based in tourism. And um, as Greg alluded to, our infrastructure doesn't necessarily support expansion of, of certain segments for instance we don't we can't have manufacturing you know we have a uh, the majority of our land is owned by the US forest service so we're protecting that and we don't have access to that 
mm-hmm. you know, just to keep building houses or building industry or anything. So, but with tourism being the driving factor and and the fact that they pay taxes and have for a long time, and they're also potentially some of the people that we could get to love this place so much that they want to give back, um, I see that as an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, Tony Karwaski, you were part of this big process to come up with the Lake Tahoe destination stewardship plan. So this is this big kind of overarching plan. What are some of the really important kind of highlights and goals of what you're trying to do here? Well, I, th- I think the most important goal and the most important takeaway from the process itself is how many contributors came to the table to really generate this shared vision that we have for Tahoe. Um, Tahoe is such a unique place from South Shore all the way up to Truckee. Um, from a jurisdictional perspective, there's two states, six counties, two incorporated towns. Mm. Um, And as you start to look at the issues across that multi-jurisdictional area, what we find is the challenges are relatively similar, right? When we look at um, our peak visitation periods and the impacts on our infrastructure um, that Greg noted, you know, from traffic congestion to litter to a sense of overcrowding at times. Um, So, what we've done here is come together from 17 different partners, including destination marketing organizations, um, as well as nonprofits, as well as um, partners like the U.S. Forest Service, California State Parks, Town of Truckee, Town of South Lake Tahoe, um, to start to problem solve together. I think that's the number one takeaway from the destination stewardship plan is that we're we're all invested in the solutions that we've put forward together. Um, you know, we live in a, a remarkable place that everybody here loves. Um, the people who visit here love to visit here, and it's going to take everybody coming together to kind of solve these problems. Now, the good news is is we have some experience around this. Uh, for instance, on North Lake Tahoe's North Shore, um, we years ago identified that our public transit system was underutilized and that we could invest in it, uh, promote it to uh, both of our residents and our visitors, increase utilization, um, brand it as one complete brand, which is now the Tahoe Area Regional Transit, which runs from um, Nevada County to Washoe County to Placer County through the town of Truckee. Uh, So the guests and residents who use the system see one system. They see one branded system with one schedule, uh, one website. Can you do that for us down here in the Bay Area? (laughs) 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 We have like 20 (laughs) transit agencies. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, Greg, I I, I mean, Tony, I I find that quite impressive and and really interesting. What were the areas that kind of took the most negotiating, though, between all these jurisdictions to like get people on the same page? Cause there's obviously going to be real disagreements between, you know, such a wide set of stakeholders. You know, when you take a look at the actual issues, again, coming back to how we all came to the table and discovered that what we were seeing during heavy visitation periods was relatively similar impacts in our infrastructure. So congestion on our roadways, um, you know, increased litter and waste stream needs, 
um, and a sense of overcrowding in certain places, and how do we balance those things out? How do we provide the resources? Now, maybe providing the resources in each jurisdiction is a little bit different, um, but if we all align to the goal of supporting the programming that's within the destination stewardship plan um, and supporting the guiding principles and the action items under those uh, guiding principles, then the result will show across the entire region. We're talking about how to manage tourism and growth around Lake Tahoe with Tony Karwowski, president and CEO of the North Tahoe Community Alliance, Greg Thomas, lifestyle and outdoors editor and host of the Wild West podcast on San Francisco at San Francisco Chronicle, and Carol uh, Chaplain, the executive director of the Lake Tahoe Visitor Authority. We'd love to hear from you. I mean, do you agree too many people are visiting Tahoe? Why or, or why not? You can give us a call. The number is 866-733-6786. Maybe you've been going up to Tahoe for a while and you've noticed some changes. What, what are those things? The number again, 866-733-6786. The email is forum at kqed.org. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram or KQED Forum. You know, Greg, uh, before we go to the break, it kind of feels like this is a snow globe Bay Area set of problems. You know, like we've got the congestion, we've got the housing prices, we've got, you know, in this case, uh, too many visitors as opposed to too few. Like, how do you how do you compare what's going on up there to what we see uh, in the Bay Area? Yeah, I think there's something to be said for that. <clears throat> um, you know, Californians already get blamed for kind of uh, exporting their problems to all the other uh, sort of desirable destinations across the West from, you know, Portland, Oregon to Idaho to Seattle. Um, and Lake Tahoe feels no different. It, I think to, to some people, it feels like, like you said, kind of a little satellite of the Bay Area um, and a place where the Bay Area is is kind of exporting its problems. I think the, the huge difference to me, obviously, is just like the, the scope and the means. Um, hmm. Bay Area is huge. There's a ton of money and interest here. We have the means to solve these problems. Um, and the reasons we don't might just be, uh, <laughs> might just come down to kind of, you know, political dysfunction that you sort of alluded to when you were talking about our transportation issues. Um, in Tahoe, it's a totally different equation because people go there for the natural environment and that's the defining feature uh, of the place. And so the efforts should always be to preserve that natural environment. Um, yeah. And so it just makes solving the problems a little bit trickier. <laughs> We're talking about how to manage tourism and growth around Lake Tahoe. Love to hear from you. Do you agree too many people are visiting Lake Tahoe? Like, is over-tourism the right word? Give us a call, 866-733-6786, forum at kqed.org. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Stay tuned. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. 
Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. We're talking about how to manage tourism and growth around Lake Tahoe. Joined by Carol Chaplain, Executive Director of the Lake Tahoe Visitor Authority, Tony Karwowski, President and CEO of the North Tahoe Community Alliance, and Greg Thomas, host of the Wild West podcast at The Chronicle here in town, also lifestyle and outdoors editor for the paper. I want to add another guest to our discussion, Heidi Hill Drum, Executive Director of the Tahoe Prosperity Center. Welcome, Heidi. Hi, thanks for having me. So your organization is a little bit different, right? You're focused on economic development up there. Can you talk about the role in you know, the role your org played in the stewardship plan and what you've been advocating for, you know, distinctly. Thanks. Yes, we were one of the core team members helping to work on the destination stewardship plan. So we're fully supportive of it. And uh, the, you know, the recognition that, as Carol mentioned earlier, the shoulder seasons are a great time to come and visit Tahoe to sort of balance out that uh, what we call sort of the the feast or famine cycle of tourism mm. that we sometimes have. We're about to get into it here with July 4th weekend. A lot of businesses really rely on that, you know, week during Christmas or the week during the summer where they, they you know, bank on making all of their money. The problem with that is obviously smoke or wildfires or pandemics, all the mm. things that we've had impact us over the years just highlights that, you know, we're very, uh, you know, um, we just struggle with, you know, being so reliant on tourism. So we support the Destination Tourism Plan, but we also completed an Envision Tahoe Prosperity Playbook to work towards uh, leveraging tourism to complement the the base of our economy, but also start to grow our economy in other sectors. So, you know, it's like I was saying to Greg earlier, I mean, I think one reason why this problem set struck me as being there's at least components of it that we understand really deeply here in the Bay Area is that the real estate market there has started to push people you know, who are working in the tourism industry further and further away. Right. So what impact has that had on the infrastructure of the region there? It's added to our traffic. So we always... In the summer, we have construction season, uh, which we, um, you know, we know is is the only time when things can really uh, be done on the roads. Obviously, this winter reminded us you can't do a lot of construction in the winter, so we already have traffic issues with with um, construction. But the problem is, is that now over sixty percent of our workers in the tourism industry are commuting into their jobs. So in addition to the the regular traffic you have, just trying to go to the grocery store or bring your kids to summer camp, you have your normal visitors that come, and then you have workers trying to get to and from their jobs. So it's, again, it's really contributed to this perception that it's over tourism when in fact it's really workers just trying to get to work. Yeah. You know, Carol, can you talk to me a little bit about the role uh, of second homes up there and, you know, short-term rentals and just all those other things that are not, you know, people who are full-time residents but, you know, have a house up there? Um, well, as as was mentioned, I think uh, at, during the pandemic and um, when we when we have the, began having the flexibility of 
of working remotely, we, we saw the return of, of, of some of our homeowners. And that's also an opportunity eventually because, you know, a lot of those houses were sitting empty um, or maybe being short-term rentals. Um, but it's also an opportunity to engage with an, a new residential base, which could be another way that we harness some of this additional, you know, um, um, resident base. Uh, as far as short-term rentals go in the city of South Lake Tahoe, short-term rentals have been banned except for certain tourist areas. And so that is, that's not a segment that is, is being promoted as, as lodging opportunity. Um, and, and I think that, um, and I think also with the remote work possibility, there's people that are staying more than 30 days, and so there's places that they can stay for 30 days. The housing situation, obviously, there's a there's a conversation around: does that limit housing for our our workforce, or or does that um, well does it limit the housing for our workforce? And in some cases, yes, but in some cases, these these homes are fairly large or located in very desirable places. And so that's, that was not going to be an opportunity for housing. But mm. um, from a standpoint of, of the existing housing supply, we have very little um, opportunity to increase that just because of that land use um, and, um, and our environmental you know, considerations. So we're all trying to solve that together through this stewardship plan, and the Tile Prosperity Center has been working on this for a long time. Um, mm. So we'll, we'll see how that plays out with the housing, um, the housing uh, you know, supply yeah. and how we help our workforce stay where they're working, and that is you know, increasing the quality of life for them. Yeah, thanks, Carol. I mean, Heidi, you know, affordable housing or workforce housing, however people want to describe it, it doesn't need that much land, right? Are there really not a lot of parcels where you could develop, you know, multi-family workforce housing? It, it's such a great question, Alexis. The problem is that we have growth caps up at the um, Lake Tahoe area uh, per the Tahoe Regional Planning Agency. So there's only so much development that can happen. And mm. Unfortunately, the development that has happened has been very slow, just about 1% uh, of uh, development every year. And most and 99% of that has been uh, either very large second homes or uh, luxury, you know, condominium developments. So not the type of housing that uh, a worker in our tourism industry can afford. So we've got a lot of recommendations in the Prosperity Playbook. There's recognition of the housing need in the stewardship plan, which is important. And, I, you know, I, I, I tell my friends in the tourism industry that to advocate with us for the changes that are needed so we can add some housing in our town centers. There's a lot of opportunity with old motels that were built back in the 1950s for the mm -hmm. Olympics, you'll recall. There's a lot of rundown commercial properties that could be redeveloped into mixed use, uh, you know, with with housing on the second and third floors and retail and restaurants on the first story. We just we just haven't figured it out yet because of the additional regulations that we have on building and environmental issues. But we need yeah. to figure it out. I mean, Tony, how does your plan try to deal with this kind of issue, right, where like a growth cap in some place leads to a bulge of growth, you know, just outside that limit? That's a great question. So in North Lake Tahoe, we have a significant um, set of second homes. Um, 
as well as an additional portion of short-term rentals. Between those two things, in combination with our, our uh, partners at Placer County, we've instituted some additional transient occupancy taxes and assessment fees on overnight stays um, both in, in both of those uh, cases. So those funds generated come back to us here in North Lake Tahoe and allow us to implement solutions um, with regards to workforce housing. So we have short, medium, and long-term um, investments in the works um, for programming and projects to help assist the ability for our workforce to find housing um, regionally. So one of those projects or programs is an investment in um, a program called Landing Locals. So what this program does is it incentivizes second homeowners to convert their homes from solely second um, homes to primary workforce housing opportunities for our local workforce. Huh. So the idea here is that we provide additional incentivization that equals or that means money. Than, like they just get a tax that break means or money. they get okay. They get incentive directly um, through a program called Landing Locals that they can apply for. Uh, they have to qualify for the program. Um, and the program also pairs them with a tenant, a local workforce, so that it's verified. And then um, after a year, they get an incentive payout um, that is generally either equal to or greater than um, the benefits they would receive from renting their property out on a short-term rental basis. Oh, that's so interesting. Uh, that's that's a great, um, innovative kind of program. Um, let's uh, bring in uh, Brad in Sunnyvale. First caller. Hey, Brad, welcome. Hello. Hey, Brad, welcome. Uh, yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, sure can. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, I used to live in South Lake Tahoe, and I lived in, um, well, I used to ski at North as well, but it got so busy that we just didn't like going there. Because mm. it's just traffic, like on the Highway 50 going to Heavenly, back and forth, and you stay in those little, whatever, short-term rentals, whatever it is. Um, it just got bad. So, I mean, I used to live there back in 93, 94. It was really nice. But now it's like, forget it. So I ended up just going up to Bear Valley. And after that, we bought a place there, and we just love it there. Yeah, go ahead up that way. I mean, Carol, um, I know you uh, you got to take off soon. So I want to direct this one to you. I mean, is it just kind of done too good a job getting people to visit? I mean, is there is there a, a right number of visitors you see, or is there a possibility you would want less people to come? Well, that's such a great question. Thank you for the opportunity, and I'm sorry I will have to um, not sure, sure. finish with the conversation, but um, you know, I think... Here's here's what we have. We have we have this group of seventeen organizations. Um, we we briefly mentioned the Tahoe Regional Planning Agency, but they've been they've been helping to spearhead this process with with um, their own resources, their staff, and and um, and we look, so we have our you know our lead environmental agency involved in this. We have the destination marketing organizations, organizations like. Uh, Heidi's Tahoe Prosperity Center, and we have such a brain trust here to figure this out. And so I, I don't know that I have the answer, but I would say this is that the our focus is to balance that tourism, um, that tourism industry, whatever that looks like when we all come together and continue this work on this vision, um, and our residents. Um, and your caller, you know, used to live here and has has a. Um, 
has a vision in his mind of what it used to look like. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're working with the residents, and and we also have you know to work on the economy, like um, Heidi said, is that her organization is working on diversification of that. So. From a standpoint of tourism, what we want to do is balance it. And we've talked about maybe seasonality or we've talked about transit as, as solutions. We've talked about um, a couple of other things. But So we're all focused on these issues mm-hmm. that will help us understand what, what the right tourism mix is. Mm-hmm. I would tell you that from a stand, our standpoint, we also are looking at the, the, the visitor who is who is – well, over 90% of, of visitors these days to any destination is looking at sustainability and, and um, what that destination is doing and, and perhaps where they fit in. And so that can be a solution for us is, is targeting some people that, that really are, um, are passionate about where they go and the experience they have. So that's all part mm-hmm. of it. Um, so I'm not answering your question directly, but um, but that certainly is on the table on on how we how we move forward with our industry where we foster, you know we try to enhance the experience, but we take care of our residents. And I, the last thing I would say is that during this whole process, we had three thousand over three thousand people surveyed. Um, they were residents, they were visitors, they were business owners, they were leaders, and we identified those issues through the stewardship plan. Um, and and decided and and will continue to to hone in on what exactly this organization does sure. um, to further that, or whether we support other other organizations' efforts that are already underway. Yeah, thank you, Carol Chaplain, uh, Executive Director of the Lake Tahoe Visitor Authority. Having a bunch of uh, comments uh, coming in. Annie writes in to say, with, with a great point, um, your guest, I think she was talking about you, Tony, so this one's coming to you. Your guest listed several local government agencies, but no native agencies. Are there no tribes in the area that should also be consulted on this? We're all on native land. Just want to note, we did invite the Washoe tribe to participate. They weren't able to, to join us today. Um, Tony, what has the role been um, of your you know planning process in working with the native uh, agencies up there? So with regards to the destination stewardship plan, um, you know, we, we had the tribe in and around um, a lot of the topics as we worked through um, kind of coming to an agreement as our 17 different organizations that were contributing to this um, and, and taking into account like the natural and native history of Lake Tahoe and, and how it really speaks and informs the plan. Um, but they aren't like an official partner in it, right? They are a partner in it, for sure. You know, I think some of the guidance that they have given us um, has driven some of the high-level um, strategic pillars and, and some of the outcomes from, from the action plan, definitely. Got it. But not, like, listed as a participant in the report, right? Maybe I'm, maybe I'm misunderstanding. Yeah, I don't think they have a logo in the report, Got it. no. Okay, okay, cool. Um, so, Annie, that's the answer uh, to your question there. Let's um, go to uh, Margo in Inverness. Welcome, Margo. Hi, thank you. Um, I wanted to just comment that I think you need to call out the reality of both Lake Tahoe and I live in Point Reyes National Seashore is the majority of the houses are, are owned by wealthy weekenders and they treat tourists at, like trash and it, really they're tourists, they're weekenders. And as a resident, 
you know, I think a lot of residents treat tourists as trash and give them these names like over-touristing. It's like moving in next to a school and complaining about kids and saying there's over-education on your street. It's like these have always been historically um, tourist destinations, and residents and particularly wealthy weekenders just need to really tone it the heck down and appreciate the fact that tourism creates the economy that we all really enjoy. Thanks so much for that uh, comment, Margo. Also, I'm insanely jealous of where you live. That's a beautiful place. Um, thanks for the yeah, call. It's like, it, it is really a privilege. And so rather than, you know, kick people around with your privilege, why not sit back and say, you know, we're grateful that you're here. Let's make, I, I appreciate that people are doing a lot about transit. Let's make that possible so it's easier for people to come in and enjoy. Because both of these park, parts of the world are in the middle of national parks that are everybody's heritage. So stop catering to the wealthy privilege about use in these areas. Thanks so much, Margo. You know, Greg, I wanted to uh, kick that to you. I mean, obviously, because you cover lifestyle and outdoors, you know, more broadly, how do you see Tahoe's issues, you know, reflected or in this broader set of beautiful natural places around the Bay? I mean, is it are there things that are totally distinct to Tahoe? That's an interesting question. I think I think there are. Uh, one of the first things that come to mind is just the fact that the Tahoe Basin uh, is like 85, 86% public land. Um, so it's, again, it's just this natural setting. Uh, it's also the region is split right down the middle by the state line, uh, the, the border between California and Nevada. And then you have several jurisdictions, like different counties, and then the city of South Lake Tahoe that are all, you know, uh, faced with a lot of the same issues, but dealing that, dealing with them in in slightly different ways. And so, you know, I think it's one thing to talk about a a, a destination that is, um, you know, within a certain city, within a certain county. Mm -hmm. It's another thing to talk about a place that has all of these kind of, you know, different jurisdictions, uh, you know, kind of pulling in different directions. And that, that's one thing, just to bring it back to the destination stewardship plan that I think is remarkable about it is the fact that all of these different stakeholders on both sides of the state border and in all, you know, in all the counties and the city there uh, are kind of trying to get on the same page and pull in the same direction to address these issues that are bothering everybody. Yeah. Um, We're talking. Oh, uh, one quick second. A quick break. We're talking about how to manage tourism and growth around Lake Tahoe with Greg Thomas, host of the Wild West podcast for the San Francisco Chronicle. Tony Karwowski, president and CEO of the North Tahoe Community Alliance. Heidi Hill Drum, executive director of the Tahoe Prosperity Center. And earlier, we're joined by Carol Chaplain, the executive director of the Lake Tahoe Visitor Authority. Would love to hear from you. Do you agree too many people are visiting Lake Tahoe? The number is 866-733-6786. We'll be back with more right after the break. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. 
Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. We're talking about how to manage tourism and growth around Lake Tahoe with Heidi Hildrum, Executive Director of the Tahoe Prosperity Center, Tony Karwowski, President and CEO of the North Tahoe Community Alliance, and Greg Thomas, Lifestyle and Outdoors Editor with the San Francisco Chronicle, who's the host of that paper's Wild West podcast. Uh, Greg, you know, I want to talk a little bit about the environmental impacts of this many people going to this you know, quite quite wild place. Um, what have we seen in, in terms of the the impact on ecosystems of this many cars, this many visitors over time? There are a couple things that come to mind. Uh, one is the impact to the actual land, the terrain surrounding the lake. And, you know, you'll hear about um, impacts, degradation to popular trails, uh, and sites around Tahoe. So <clears throat> everybody loves uh, visiting Emerald Bay, um, Sand Harbor State Beach, all these different areas around the lake. Uh, and there is uh, there are concerns that those uh, the infrastructure there, from parking lots to the roads there to transportation options to get there um, to the trails themselves, just weren't designed to handle the traffic that they see right now. And so, um, yeah, you see damage to trails. Uh, People report seeing more trash, overflowing uh, dumpsters, things like that, um, which are problematic for a bunch of reasons. Uh, And so that's one sort of side of this. And then there's the environmental, the ecological impacts to the lake itself. Mm -hmm. And obviously Tahoe is famous for it's blue lake for how clear the water is. And uh, there are concerns that, you know, the number of cars, all of the traffic uh, that is kind of, you know, omnipresent in the basin these days is essentially pumping more carbon emissions into the air that kind of just hangs in the basin and that those pollutants and contaminants filter into the surface of the lake water itself. Um, And there are, you know, researchers who study the lake um, who have seen that, over the years, over the decades, it's become less clear. It's become more murky. Um, you know, it has like become the chemistry kind of, a, of the lake itself is changing. Yeah, there are real concerns about the health and well-being of the lake, um, and those are related to climate change. There, you know, there are a bunch of of different variables that play into that. Um, but certainly, just kind of the number of of people and cars in the area uh, are participate are you know contributing factors. Let's bring in. Uh... Jeff, uh, up in Lake Tahoe. Jeff, welcome. Hi, thank you very much. Yeah, Jeff, um, talk to me. I, as I understand it, you're with the Tahoe Regional Planning Agency. And so obviously these kind of environmental problems that we're talking about are, are things that you want to try to address. Yeah, as this bi-state organization that's really was created to protect Lake Tahoe's water quality, environmental quality, and, and growth management. Um, we were just really proud to be a leading partner in the Destination Stewardship Plan. Um, I, I want to commend, you know, all of the folks who were involved in this, but also KQED and Greg Thomas for their coverage of this issue. 
it is it is a very big one. I think that what we learned through the process of developing this plan and listening to local community members and visitors was that we're all here for the lake and environmental quality was the top priority amongst everyone that we heard about, um, that we heard from. And when trash and microplastics, roadside parking, traffic congestion that Greg mentioned are kind of reaching a new crescendo, um, you know, that's when we really all need to act together and create a culture of caring, I think, around Lake Tahoe, which is a lot about one of the earlier callers, the, the person from Inverness was, was touching on, is that here in the basin, you know, our ethos of so the people who live here um, is, is to really take care of this place. And we're, we can pass that along through programs in the Destination Stewardship Plan, like having ambassadors um, at all of the recreation areas and trailheads. And we've seen a lot of great funding coming in from nonprofit partners to really get that off the ground again this year. Um, there's, there's a lot we can do and Greg's right. Climate change is huge. It's not just, you know, impacting the water quality of the lake, but Tahoe is becoming a climate refuge for people to get away from the longer, hotter summers. And we're getting a lot of day use visitors coming up who are, you know, new entrants to this outdoor recreation and tourism world. And that's our opportunity to be open and, and equitable and make sure that this place is accessible for everyone but cultivating that culture. Hmm. Um, you know, Eric, one of our other uh, listeners, Jeff, hang with us for one second here. Eric writes in, does the Tahoe area have a regional housing needs allocation obligations for affordable housing like other regions? Are there policies that would trump local efforts to preserve the natural landscape if other solutions for affordable workforce housing are not found? Yeah. Yes, we we created a housing needs assessment regionally and um, – uh, a number of years ago, and showing that over 3,000 uh, additional workforce housing units are needed in the region just to meet our needs. And a lot, we're following the Strategic Growth Council's um, sustainable community strategy and implementing some some really fundamental shifts in the development pattern of the basin because growth is capped. Um, the amount of vacant land remaining is limited. And we need to do much more and much better with the little bit that we have. Um, so we are now allow two accessory dwelling units on every parcel on the California side of the basin. This really opened up a lot of opportunities for deed-restricted affordable housing just in the neighborhoods and everywhere. Mm-hmm. But now new policies are going to come online this year, hopefully, that we're, that we're in, the, in the process of developing with feedback that are looking at other ways in town centers, we can increase some of those initial building limits we've had since the 80s mm-hmm. um, to encourage private investment. There's a lot of subsidization that's coming into the basin for projects, and you've heard uh, Tony Karwowski's programs um, mm-hmm. in Eastern Placer that have been you know, financial assistance, but there needs to be more like the private market needs to be instilled in this, and that's one of the roles that, that we're playing as well. All right. Hey, Jeff, thank you uh, so much for, for that call, that knowledge. You know, Heidi, I wanted to ask you about these, you know, the regional housing needs allocation and the plans for building uh, more workforce housing. I mean, is there enough on the books? Is enough being done? Or are there other things, other levers that you think need to be pulled? I 
You know, the RENA numbers are are definitely an important uh, goal for each of the jurisdictions around the lake. And they are working on on getting those uh, met per the state for the um, California side of the basin. But we do feel like more could be done. Um, you know, there's there's really a it's like a tale of two Tahoes. There's a Tahoe that you see and the Tahoe that you don't. And the Tahoe that you see is, you know, it's it's busy. There's lots of tourists. It's it's um, beautiful lakes, mountains, trees, et cetera. But the Tahoe that you don't see is is really the struggling workforce. Um, and if we don't address housing and prioritize the housing needs for our local workers, we're going to continue to just, you know, struggle with this issue. And there is so many opportunities. The TRPA has identified a number of policy changes that will help with this. But the redevelopment, again, of those older properties. That's Tahoe Regional Planning Agency. For sorry, people. yes. Yeah, the yeah, Tahoe, yeah, yeah, TRPA. So the, the Tahoe Regional Planning Agency and others, you know, have identified changes that will really make a difference. And redeveloping old motels and old commercial properties is the best way to get the housing needs that we want in our town centers. And so we have to find those incentives to build that, um, you know, to redevelop that housing because we can't just build our way out of it. Yeah. Um, we've got, uh, Casey, one of our listeners writing in to say the rhetoric around solving the issue of too many tourists seems like it's just to discourage visiting Tahoe in peak seasons and on holidays. But I'd guess that the only people that would honor that request are people who would be responsible tourists anyway. Is discouraging visiting in general the best way to approach this in order to simply reduce the number of tourists? Or could there be a way to get visitors to be more respectful of the locals and nature without just saying, don't come? And we've heard a couple of, um answers to that, that that is uh, part of what's going on. Ben in Pleasanton also would like to speak to some of this issue as well. Welcome, Ben. Hi. Uh, thanks for uh, having me here. Um, you know, I bought my second home uh, in Macau, uh last year, and, you know, neighbors are so awesome, and even some of the new owners are pretty good as well. But, you know, I, I heard about the the comment about overcrowding during peak season, uh, and I think, I don't know how this could be a solution, but I think it's happening in Yosemite where they kind of limit the number of people that can go there. So again, I think the main issue was the overcrowding and then you have the, the workforce that works that they can't get around, things like that, especially in holiday season. So what if we limit the amount of people in Little Lake Tahoe during that time and hmm. see if that's mm-hmm. that's all yeah. I'll take the... Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah, thank you, Ben. Appreciate that. Um, you know, Tony Karwaski... Um, is there a way uh, to limit the number of people going to Tahoe? You know, it's not a national park, so that's one limitation. And I guess I'd also ask, is that actually something you think would be a good idea, whether it was possible or not? Um, so, yeah, I mean, this is this is a great question that's been widely debated, especially in the destination stewardship process itself. Um, you know, being surrounded by National Forest Service and Beyond that, surrounded by, you know, roughly 13 million people that could drive up here at any one time, uh, you know, ultimately the answer is right now, no, you know, we, we can't really control the amount of people who, who come here at any one point in time. Uh, so what we can do is 
for instance, one of your listeners alluded to, you know, trying to push visitation to shoulder season and midweek visitation where we have more uh, availability from a lodging perspective, from a crowding perspective, um, you know, visiting during that time, encouraging certain segments in our marketing profiles to visit during those times can relieve some of the peak periods a little bit. Um, but I would also say that, you know, that also, that practice goes hand in hand with educating our um, visitors up front. So, for instance, we at the NTCA and our partners here at Go Tahoe North um, have put together a, tra a traveler responsibility pledge. And that has six tenants to help educate visitors on things they need to know when they come to the area that can reduce impact, like becoming a steward of Lake Tahoe, respecting the environment, um, giving them resources to stay educated while they're here, focusing on keeping wildlife wild. Um, one really important part of the um, six tenants is being fire safe and providing mm -hmm. education around um, fire restrictions in the region and giving resource access to emergency notification systems so that when people are here, they're getting the latest information. Um, and then to help them and incentivize them to demonstrate mindful travel and putting kind of social media uh, promotions together that actually reward them for showing how they are demonstrating mindful travel and sharing that socially. Yeah. Um, we've got a ton of comments and, and also calls coming in about kind of transportation problems. I mean, Catherine, for example, writes in to say, it seems the root cause of the congestion and pollution problems in the Tahoe Basin is the volume of car travel into the Tahoe Basin. It's a group working on advancing transportation options to get people to Tahoe without using their personal vehicles. Let's just keep that one in mind as we go to uh, Jeff in Fremont. Welcome, Jeff. Hi. So uh, I just wanted to comment on a recent development up there that involves basically the drastic reduction of what used to be a readily available public transit service. Uh, I've been skiing up there at South Shore for oh, 50 years now, and for many, many years I made uh, use of what was then available as a free bus service that Heavenly Valley provided to get people from different parts of South Shore up to their resort and back again. Um, mm -hmm. It was great because, you know, it, it it had lots of stops. It was running every 15 minutes. Um, I would get on the gondola, go up ski all day, come down on the California side and take the bus back and it would stop. There was a bus stop there right in front of the little motel I stayed there at the corner of yeah. uh, 50 and Pioneer Trail. So I, a couple of years ago, I noticed there's a new bus. And it's a nice bus. And I asked the guy, gee, we got new buses here. So can you stop down there at Pioneer Trail? And he says, no, we can't do that anymore. And I said, mm. what? And he says, well, well yeah, we, we, we shut down that. This bus is just for employees. Um, we shut down that free bus service because we found out that locals were using it to uh, get to and from work and stuff. Nothing yeah. To do with yeah. yeah. And the re and that was starving money from the local transit system. So they shut mm -hmm. it down. So then the next time I go up there, it says, well, let's see what inv what's involved in using the local transit system. Uh, it runs once an hour. <laughs> Whereas the old system used to run every 15 minutes. Well, Jeff, let's so, get you some answers on this one. I mean, we have Tony Karwaski, who I think is probably 
um, at least trying to coordinate these these systems as he was talking about earlier with the the transit system. So let's, um, Tony, what what happened here? Um, you know, given Jeff's experience as he's described it, thanks so much for that call, Jeff. Yeah, I think there's a couple things at work here. I think number one. Um, you know, we've talked a lot about workforce housing for our local workforce, and um, one of the biggest impacts we've seen, and this is true across the entire lake, and part and parcel to the problem that he's dis- described here, is that um, this uh, lack of housing has hit the bus driver workforce particularly hard, um, mm. both the public sector and the private sector. Many of our resort partners around the region have private transit systems, in addition to the existing public transit systems. So those those niche jobs, a CDL class driver, is, is very difficult to come by in Tahoe right now. And we've seen, for instance, in the Tahoe area regional transit system, they were only staffed up to just shy of 60% of the staff they needed for full operations last mm-hmm. year, uh, mm-hmm. last last winter, which leaves gaps in services, which your caller has, has noticed. Um, it, so the workforce housing and transportation, you know, we look at them as separate issues, but when it comes to the actual workforce itself, they're they're totally intertwined. Yeah, so interesting. You know, Greg Thomas, I uh, wanted to get squeeze in one last question. Um, Steve writes in to say, nobody has mentioned the role of casinos. Gambling has had an enormous impact on Lake Tahoe since the 1960s. I mean, is that one of those uses of this area that you see as kind of um, intention, at least, with people, you know, kind of using this area for its sort of natural resources? My understanding of um, casinos and kind of the gaming industry is that uh, they've really kind of come down as main attractants for tourists in Lake Tahoe um, in the past, you know, sort of 20, 25 years or so. Uh, and that the emphasis around Tahoe has really shifted to, um, you know, again, the natural environment, outdoor mm-hmm. lovers, people who are looking for that escape on trails and on the lake itself. Yeah. So interesting. Well, thanks thanks for that for uh, our listeners' sake. We have been talking about how to manage tourism and growth around Lake Tahoe. Last couple of uh, listener comments. Reed tweets, it's the cars. Let's reimagine tourism with less cars, which means better planning and building housing. And another listener writes, rampant greed is infecting the basin. It is systemic and a much worse problem than any over-tourism. We have been joined this hour by Tony Karwowski, president and CEO of the North Tahoe Community Alliance. Thanks so much, Tony. Thank you so much for having us. Also been joined by Greg Thomas, lifestyle and outdoors editor, host of the Wild West podcast, which I listen to all the time from the San Francisco Chronicle. Thanks so much, Greg. Thanks, Alexis. Also been joined by Heidi Hildrum, executive director of the Tahoe Prosperity Center. Thank you, Heidi. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Earlier, we were joined by Carol Chaplain, the executive director of the Lake Tahoe Visitor Authority. Thank you so much to all of our callers and our commenters for helping us get to some depth of this issue. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Stay tuned for another hour of Forum Ahead with guest host Marisa Lagos. Funds for the production of KQED's Forum are provided by the John S. and James L. Knight Foundation, the Generosity Foundation, the Germanicos Foundation, and the Heising Simons Foundation. 
Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.